HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Right. Um, and, and you find that entrepreneurs um, often play, you know, a variety of roles within, within the, the, the company mm-hmm. that they're starting or trying to start. And so that alone is the pressure that comes with it. And then it's, it's often tied into something that's very personal to you, right? So it's, it's a dream you've always had and or if it's something you've always wanted to do. Right. It's not just a business, right? It's sort of tied into who you are. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you think about the fact that, like you said, it, it, it fails, right? it's much bigger than just a business failure. It sort of hits at the core of who yeah. you are. Hey everyone, you're listening to Item 13, a bi-weekly podcast covering everything African food, and I'm your host, Yom Tego. Every other week, we'll delve into the world of African food, chefs, curators, and bloggers. I hope you enjoy it. This week, I explore the topic of mental health in the context of entrepreneurs in the African food space. I speak to Dr. Carol Mateas Ushez, a psychologist who is passionate about helping people thrive in all areas of their life. With a doctorate and master's in educational psychology and a Bachelor of Arts in psychology, her in-depth knowledge of learning and teaching provides an understanding of how people think, learn, and behave. She works with clients battling with depression, anxiety disorders, suicide ideation, among other mental illnesses. She's passionate about mental health awareness, changing the perceptions and stigma attached to mental health, and demystifying therapy. She's currently the in-house psychologist at SOS Herman Minor College in Accra, Ghana, heading their emotional counseling department. This was a great conversation, and while a lot of the resources we discussed are relevant to those in Ghana or Accra, I encourage you to research local resources available to you if any of the topics we discussed resonate with you. Also, a note that that none of the advice offered in this episode is a substitute for proper care from a licensed health professional. Here's our conversation. (laughs) 
So welcome to the show, Carl. Excited to have you on. Um, excited to talk about mental health with regard to food entrepreneurs specifically. I think we, we've done a lot of conversations around um, sort of skills and tools like PR and marketing, and we've interviewed entrepreneurs on their journeys. But I think some of the things, some one of the things that we overlook is that mental health piece. And so I thought mm-hmm. having an expert like yourself join us and talk about that would be great. So I'm excited to have you on and, and we'll see where where this conversation goes. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, and, I, and I think we'll, we'll enjoy this. Yeah, I think this should be good. So we'll start with you telling us a little bit about yourself. So your background, um, how you sort of ended okay. up in this in this space of mental health counseling, etc. Okay. All right. So um, when I guess I'll start, I'm, I'm Ghanaian, you know, raised in Ghana up until secondary school, went to Ashimoto School and then left to the United States to, to do a degree at the time. You know, I, I have sort of like a very interest in psychology. wasn't really sure if that's what I wanted to pursue, but, you know, I sort of that. In my junior year, I was pretty sure. After taking a couple of classes, I was yeah. like, okay, this is me. I can see myself doing this. And so I, I got an undergraduate degree in psychology and then went ahead to do a master's um, to sort of qualify to be a clinical psychologist yeah. and then decided to sort of take it a bit further and, and specialize in educational psychology. So I did, I did a PhD in educational psychology. Oh my God. And so I spent, I spent 11 years <laughs> doing that. <laughs> but not just the PhD. So it's sort of, you know, from, from undergrad to the end of my PhD program was about 11, 12 years. That's crazy. Um, ended up, <laughs> yeah, ended up living in Atlanta for about 13, oh, 14 cool. years. Um, moved back to Ghana in 2015, um, September 2015, and just sort of got into the mental health um, scene in Ghana. Um, I've always been interested in people. You know, I've always been interested yeah. in helping people. Um, people sort of gravitate towards me for advice, mm-hmm. you know, and sort of direction and, you know, solutions to problems. I seem to connect well with people easily. And so psychology really was sort of like a natural fit. Um, not to say that it's been smooth sailing, but, yeah. you know, and, and then and then definitely after moving back home and, and getting a greater appreciation for the mental health care scene in Ghana, you know, it's sort of, boosted my my passion even more yeah so. um, being that it's it's such a young um field um and and mental health care in Ghana really sort of has a long way to go um and so that has fueled my passion even more yeah because I, I was actually going to ask you about that so I feel like after you know having all of that U.S. experience and probably there's some mm-hmm. sort of excitement to coming you know back home for whatever reason mm-hmm. and you come home mm-hmm. like what is the landscape like because I don't remember I mean and you have specifically an interest in educational psychology which we can go into a little bit uh deeper right. in a little bit but mm-hmm. even just from a general like mental health um mm-hmm. field I just don't think it's and like you alluded to it's not one probably not as mature and I don't even know like if um culturally and mm-hmm. maybe more so now with the, you know the upcoming you know generation younger generation it's maybe more acceptable right. but even then I think that there's still a certain cultural stigma right with um Definitely. with asking for help with with Definitely. that stuff. So what? So what, I guess what sort of was your initial experience when you first came and were you looking for a job or were you just looking to start your own thing right away? 
Well, I think I think sort of like in a in a foolhardy sort of way, I was looking to start my own thing. Okay. I'm going to come back home. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to you know change the world. Which <laughs> a part of me still has that, but you know, Ghana as 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 much as it's home and as much as we love Ghana, you know, Ghana will sort of bring you back to it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. very quickly. Um, but you know, the, the biggest thing with mental health still in Ghana is the stigma, Yeah. right? I would say this, the stigma that's attached, um, to, to mental health. And so that sort of comes from a, a lack of understanding of, of mental health and how mental health is different from mental illness, for example. Right. And then also, you know, a lot of stigmatization that's attached to, you know, the different mental illnesses that. We have for for a lot of people in Ghana, mental health or mental illness. We immediately think of you know the naked people we walking see walking on the street, on the yeah, street, exactly, you know, and that's and that's that. You know, you know, it's it's, it's a whole range right. of, of things. Yeah. Um, and so the stigma, and then also I think the uh, the other big issue here in Ghana is access to care, mm. um, the availability of care, and then access to care. So I, I came sort of wanting to do something on my own. But then quickly realizing that, okay, you probably need to really get your feet wet, try and find somewhere to plant yourself and then sort of take off from there. Okay. But, you know, I come and then I find I have to sort of, the good thing is we, we have a regulatory body now. It's called the Ghana Psychological Council. Oh, okay. You have to register, you have to stay registered, licensed with them in order to practice in Ghana. Okay. And so I went through the whole process of, um, registering with them. It was a little long because I was U.S. trained, mm-hmm. um, but getting licensed here um, and then sort of really starting to work. Um, but before before I, I worked with SOS, I sort of did some um, contract jobs here and there, um, one with Newmont Ghana, which was quite interesting, and then Christian International High School. I think it's in Dodoa. Okay. Um, so it was just as a way of getting my feet wet right. um, and sort of figuring out what was happening on the scene. But it was it was a bit of a shock because coming <laughs> from a place like the U.S. where, yeah. you know, as much as there's still stigma attached to mental health um, by way of mental health professionals, it's a very organized profession. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you know, by, term, by way of industry or profession, it's pretty much organized. In Ghana, they are sort of still, we're still getting an act together um <laughs> but you know, it, which, which, is a, which is a good thing yeah. but it, it was a, it was a bit of a, a a change for me right um so so those were my struggles okay. you know in, in making the transition yeah. right and then so so now you've said you you work for for sos but then you also mm-hmm. ended up doing your own thing right so you run thrive yeah. care so how did you yeah make the leap into sort of doing your own thing? And why did you decide to do that in addition to what you do um, full-time or with your day job, I guess? Okay, so so I've, I've been at SOS three years now. Five okay. Care is new. Five Care was, was birthed in 2018. Oh, okay. Um, and, and, yeah, and I, and I love my job at SOS. And it's, it's primarily sort of taking care of the emotional and mental health needs of the students and mm-hmm. staff over there. And I love it. But then as I just in talking to people and sort of settling into Ghana, every time I would talk to people, you know, the response 
sort of I would get back from people was, you know, a, a range of things. So it's like people not really understanding what psychologists do, mm-hmm. what therapy is, what counseling is. So there's sort of a stigma and then it's sort of shrouded in some mystery, you know, it's just like, <laughs> we're not really sure what you do, right. you know. So, so then I sort of had this idea of sort of, um, sort of putting myself out there and sort of taking, you know, the very complicated theoretical stuff in psychology and then breaking it down mm. like in a way that people can use, you know, practical everyday ways to better their lives. And so I sort of took the before that I wasn't on social media, but then I it started <laughs> out sort of like on social media, yeah. Instagram, Twitter, and I would just put information out there. Like things that I thought people would find helpful mm-hmm. because I, I, I knew in interacting with people that, you know, not everyone can afford most people can't afford therapy. Most people can't afford to sit down one-on-one, either yeah. weekly or bi-weekly with a therapist. But it doesn't mean that they don't need help. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, if I can just put stuff out there that I think people will find useful, then, you know, then I, I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm doing my, my bit in my little small corner yeah, of the world. to help. Yeah, right? Exactly. But then when I tell you that, as soon as that started, like, the response was almost overwhelming. Mm. And even though I knew people needed help, it was like the response I got, I get DMs, you know, so many DMs right. every day, just people looking for help, struggling with, you know, whether it's depression or anxiety right. or grief or just looking for help. Um, for, for people who could afford help, sort of not having any idea where to go right. to find help. And then for most people, just not being able to afford it. And so it sort of confirmed to me, wow, like there's a great need out there. Yeah. Um, let, let me use the time I have outside of SOS to, you know, see if I can start providing that help mm-hmm. for people um, who are in a position to get it. And so that, that's where this idea of Thrive came from. Okay. And I decided, okay, let, let me step out and sort of set up my, my own practice. Um, um, and go from there. So, so what happened is that I worked in collaboration with a clinic um, called Acre City Medics okay. um, in Airport, Airport City. Um, you know, they provide specialized medical care. But then they set up a, 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 a psychology unit, and I work in partnership with them. Um, so I'm still doing my, my, my social media stuff, still putting stuff out there, but then I registered a company and so oh, it became official yeah. and then like, um, it's, it's, it's been good. So it's been since, um, March of this year, it became official sort of in May, but yeah, so earlier on in the year, I decided okay. to just, um, add on to what I was doing at SOS and just provide whatever help I can. Okay. Basically. No, that all sounds great. And I mean, I can't mm-hmm. even imagine where you find the time to do all of that. But um, <laughs> I think, I think that sounds great. And even from, from what you're sharing, it sounds like it's, it's, it's a, it's a major need and that people yeah. that need that resource and they need that, um, uh, the expertise to help them walk through some of the, the challenges that they face that they can talk about. Mm-hmm. And so before we dive into specifically, um, what challenges like entrepreneurs face, face, I wanted mm-hmm. to talk to mm-hmm. through what the different, um, components of a health care, a mental health care, um, consist of right so you talked a little bit about and i think even uh, layman's like trying to understand the difference between a psychologist versus a psychiatrist 
You know, mm-hmm. I think also some concerns people have about, you know, starting to see someone for depression might be, you know, will, will they put mm-hmm. me on pills, for example? And will mm-hmm. I will mm-hmm. I be numbing my my true feelings, etc. So I wanted to understand the scope of services. So whoever is listening that may be interested also can understand, you know, it could be something simple from just having therapy sessions, like conversation sessions to, to medical, you know, mm-hmm. that, full, that full range of potential services. Okay. Okay. Well, so psychology is psychology on its own. You know, provides a wide range, mm-hmm. right? Um, a- anywhere you can basically think of where there's human activity. You know, there's there's some specialization in psychology. Um, so, like I said before, you can mo- most most psychologists are clinical um, psychologists. So they they've completed a master's program in clinical psychology. They've done some practical hours, and and they're sort of ready and trained to provide therapy. Um, I'll go back and sort of talk about the difference between therapy and counseling in a okay. minute. Um, but I think for most people, they, they they find the difference between psychiatry and psychology a little confusing, right? right? Um, so psychiatry, psychiatrists are medical doctors. Um, they, they, they go through medical school and are trained as medical doctors, right? Whereas psychologists only have either a master's um, or a PhD, mm. sort of like um, in in you know whatever area they specialize: educational psychology, clinical psychology, social psychology. You know, there's even sex psychology, sports yeah. psychology, health <laughs> psychology. Right? Um, and so, what that boils down to is one of the main differences is psychiatrists can prescribe medication because okay. they are medic they are medical right. doctors. Yeah. Psychologists can't. Okay. Right, a lot of psychologists heal through psychotherapy mm. um, or counseling or different forms of what we call talk therapy. Okay. Right, whereas um, psychiatrists, psychiatrists can also do um, therapy, but they they can prescribe medications. And so you'll find that in, on a lot of cases, psychologists and psychiatrists work together. Okay. Because whereas you know psychiatrists are more interested in sort of like the biological. Mm-hmm components of, of, of an illness um, and, and, and psych- psychologists are, are looking more at, you know, behavioral um, aspects and, and, and sort of learned behavior and how the environment sort of also plays into it and, and things like that. So there's, there's a lot of overlap, but the main difference would be that psychiat- psychiatrists are medical doctors. Um, and okay. can't prescribe medication. As right. a psychologist, I can't prescribe medication. Okay. Um, and so if, if I'm working with you and I diagnose you to have, let's say, you know, um, severe anxiety or, or, or you're clinically depressed and, you know, it's part of your treatment plan would be medication, we would have to work with a psychiatrist okay, who would then be able to prescribe the medication for you. Okay. Right? But then I'll talk a little bit about therapy or and counseling. Mm-hmm. Um with counseling, you can also get trained specifically to be a a counselor, right? Your counseling degrees that don't necessarily involve, you know, getting a PhD or or most of them are master's degrees. But you you can also get a a PhD in counseling. Counseling Mm -hmm. usually involves short-term talk therapy, right? So so you have an issue, you go and you talk to a counselor. It's not as a as extended as therapy, okay. psychotherapy usually, you know, involves a much more drawn out um, um, program, treatment plan that you okay. follow. Usually, 
in connection with a psychiatrist. Whereas counseling, usually you'll find that like little short, short okay. circles of like um, very specific time periods of work. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Well, that um, so those are some of the little differences. Um, even though there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. There's a lot of overlap. And then, and then in, in mental health, you also have, we have psychiatrists, we have psychologists, we have counselors, we have psychiatric nurses, you have um, community health nurses. So there's a whole range of, of professionals mm-hmm. that work in, in mental health. Okay, no, I think that that's a good sort of uh, foundation to build for the discussion we're going to okay. have. So as we talk about the mm-hmm. different types of mental health challenges that might face entrepreneurs, people mm-hmm. can start to get thinking about, you know, based on what they're feeling or, you know, what they're going through, mm-hmm. what what right. is the appropriate level of care that right. Um, right. that they can access based on what they, they, they think is going on with them. So maybe this is right. where right. We'll, we'll, we'll take a quick short break and then when we come back, we'll delve into that topic of, of mental health with regard to entrepreneurs specifically. Um, Welcome back from the break. Uh, I think we're now going to go into specifically talk about entrepreneurs and the challenges that we face, especially and I want to talk about it in the context of one, food entrepreneurs, and then two, Africans, especially in the context of how we think about mental health, um, you know, and the the stigma and the the, um, challenge that we have with sort of sharing things that we wouldn't necessarily consider um, an illness let's you know let's say right. and so people don't have that that level of comfort in sharing and i think one of the things right. that really hit me and, and hit the food world generally speaking was when anthony bourdain um yeah. you know when he when he passed away uh, i think it was last sometime last year i think that just yeah it i mean it shocked the world but i think specifically in the food world because he just seemed at, at least on the outside right as someone who mm-hmm. lived his life to the fullest you know he, he seemed yeah. to not have any qualms about what people thought of him and he just was able to engage with people from all walks of life and so it was just stunning mm-hmm. to, to 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 watch that and think you know this person that seemed so comfortable in his skin like if 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 you, who knows what was going on in the background and so that sort of struck me and, and actually was one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this um Yes. Statistically speaking, like if you talk about the restaurant business specifically, the failure, like, I don't know, they say 95% of restaurants fail. So already that level of pressure on on an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. is just, it's just going to be that heavy. So one of the first questions I wanted to tackle is what are sort of the common health, mental health challenges that you, you would think like uh, an entrepreneur would face, you know? Well, I think I think you sort of alluded alluded to some of them. If you think about what um, um, some of some of the immediate pressures that come like that, you're literally, I guess, you can describe it as you know carrying either your dream or right. or, or a company that you start on your back, and everything boils down to you, right? right? Um, and and you find that entrepreneurs um, often play you know a variety of roles within within the the, the company mm-hmm. that they're starting or trying to start. And so that alone with the pressure that comes with it. And then it's, it's often tied into something that's very personal to you. 
right? So it's, it's a dream we've always had, and or if it's something we've always wanted to do. Right. It's not just a business, right? It's sort of tied into who you are. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you think about the fact that, like you said, it, it, it fails, right? It's much bigger than just a business failing. It's sort of hit at the core of who yeah. you are, right? And so that pressure alone, I think, leads to a, a lot of anxiety. Um, with, with the entrepreneurs I've worked with, it's sort of high stress, very high stress environment mm-hmm. that leads to, you know, a lot of anxiety. And this is going to work. If I put myself out there, how are people going to respond? Like, yeah. I, have this, I think it's a great idea, but then I'm putting it out to the world. How are people going to respond? Is it going to work? Is it going to fail? They're usually putting all of their finances into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you find a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, um, a lot of depression, um, a, a lot of, and, and, and unfortunately, you know, a, a significant, a significant rate of suicide, um, with, with, yeah. with the, with the, the pressure that comes from trying to be an entrepreneur, especially a young, a young right. entrepreneur. And um, yeah, and I think, and I think especially today, again, when I think about our generation, I think that the impact of, of instant news and, and social media right. is also right. also makes that pressure just that much more um, significant right. in that you're seeing mm-hmm. the highlight reel of what people are doing and exactly. you know, you're like, exactly. oh my God, this person just, you know, launched this thing or they just won an award for mm-hmm. X and like I'm sitting here trying mm-hmm. to just to get to the next <laughs> level and it's not happening and meanwhile you don't know how long they've been doing their stuff in the background but it's it's so easy to see that highlight reel and think okay what's wrong with me or like why am I not Mm -hmm. making progress and and a lot of the entrepreneurs that I've spoken to on this show like when we talk about the challenges that they face the number one thing that they say is that feeling of being alone or isolated on this journey mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. I, has come up again and again and again um and mm-hmm. so in in thinking about this wide range of challenges I, maybe we can start to think about what are sort of even before going to a professional what are some mm-hmm. of the coping mechanisms that people can can um can take on i guess um, to deal with to deal with some of these these uh issues Okay, well, I think I think the first thing I usually tell people is if there's help available, take it, right? If, if, if you have people who are willing to sort of help you with different aspects of your business, if it's available to you, then sort of delegate things and, and, and trust people to do it. Because sometimes I find, you know, with, with a couple of entrepreneurs I've spoken to, they sort of have the sense of if I want to do, if, if, if I want things to be done right, then I have to do it myself. Yeah. And I think, and I think part, part of it goes back to, like I was saying before, this very personal connection mm-hmm. they have with their business, right? But, but there also, there's also been instances where there's help available, delegate so that some of that pressure is eased off of you just a little bit, right? Um, the second thing that I would say is in, is in connection to what you said about social media. Yeah. And, and, and this just for anyone in general, but especially for entrepreneurs, like you said, recognize that what people are posting are the highlights, right? Yeah. And and it, it doesn't present a full picture of what is going on or or, or, or or the low points that they've had or the challenges that they're having. I, I was telling someone recently that 
I think we, we do too great a job of, of looking put together <laughs> all the time and, pre- and presenting that to the world. Right? We yeah. don't talk enough about our challenges and the things going on in the background. And so just the second thing would be just think about, you know, your social media consumption and, and the impact that's having on you um, uh, and, and recognizing that people are putting out, you know, the, the very best of what's going on with them. So trying as hard as this, trying not to use that as a measure for where your business needs to be or, or how far you should have come by now or this person is doing that and you're not doing enough. Um, and sort of catching yourself when you start, when you find that, that you're doing that. Um, the, the third thing I, I would say is, is take, take good care of yourself physically. That always helps yeah. with, your, with, with your mental health, right? That we, we can't separate our physical from our mental, right? It's, it's, it's all, it's, it's all one, right? So making sure, and, and I know for entrepreneurs, the issue of sleep, right? You guys don't get enough rest, but you never rest. You know, go, 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 go. But, but keeping in mind that if, if you want your body and your mind to mm-hmm. keep, to keep sort of putting out at its optimum, you also have to give it what it needs. And it needs rest. It needs, you know, good nutrition. You need to be eating well um, and and exercise. Um, so just, just making sure that you're taking care of your body physically. Because that does, we find, for example, that exercise has an amazing impact right. on our overall mental health, right? So making sure that you're taking care of yourself um, physically making sure that you sort of build in moments for you to de-stress. And what, sometimes when people think of de-stress and they think it has to be some long, planned out, you know, luxurious something. Self-care situation, yeah. Self, exactly. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, it's little things. It's little, little things. And, and everyone has, you know, things that sort of feed and take care of their souls, whether it's sitting and having a conversation with, you know, somebody you really, really like, whether it's a family member right. or or a niece or a nephew that just makes you laugh or watching, you know, I worked with someone once who, you know, the thing for him was watching cat videos. And <laughs> so he would, okay. you know, he would take moments in his day and just watch a little video, have a good laugh. And we know when, you know, we literally know that when you laugh, like, you know, certain, right. certain things are released in your brain that, you know, put you in a better, in a, in a better headspace. So finding little things you can do in your day or the week that sort of give you that moment. Ah, you know, that was a good, right. that was a good feeling. Um, making sure of finding a way to build that into, into your day. Um, so those are the sort of some, the, the little tips that I would say that, you know, without necessarily seeking professional help, right. you can do to help improve or lower the amount of stress that, that, that you, you're you tend with. to have. Yeah, so I think uh, for me, one one of my challenges, I think, um, I don't even know what I would call it, is, is uh, maybe decision fatigue. It's maybe what it is. Like, thinking about all the different things that I have to do and, like, mm-hmm. you think, I think I want to do X food thing, right? But in doing this X mm-hmm. food thing, I also need to figure out the marketing piece of it, the branding piece mm-hmm. of it, the media piece of it, mm-hmm. and it's all stuff mm-hmm. that I'm not necessarily an expert on. So you get, right. I tend to get into this black hole where I start to Google, like, how do you, you know, use Instagram for this, and how do you use Twitter for this, and how, and then you, it starts to get so overwhelming. It's like you're moving away from the core thing that you want to do because of all these other right. things that you have to do. And I, mm-hmm. I'm actually working um, with a prof- with um, I with a what do you call it? 
a coach, a counselor, a therapist, uh, whatever she wants to call herself. Mm -hmm. And one of the things Mm -hmm. we've talked about is finding ways, the strategy you talk about is Mm -hmm. finding ways to get back in touch with your why, you know, why are you doing Mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. Um, Exactly. Yeah. And so that that has been little things from journaling, um, you know, making intentional decisions at the end of every day to figure out, you know, what have I accomplished today? Because sometimes I find when I'm getting into this black hole, I don't even Mm -hmm. realize that, you know, while I'm doing all these 100 million things, I'm actually making little steps towards this bigger goal. But I get so caught up in it that I'm not actually seeing the steps that are being accomplished. And so one of the tools that we talked about was um, taking a step back, even if it's every day. Even if I don't have time to write it, at least taking the time to, like, stop Mm -hmm. and think about, you Mm -hmm. know, what did I accomplish? What little step did I accomplish today? And, you know, actually feeling good about it and not getting caught up in in all of the little details. That's very, very important. You know, going back to the why, trying to connect with that at the time. Why did I start doing this in the first place? Um, keep going back to that. Um, it's, I mean, excellent too. I, I, I call it sort of checking in with yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, you know, like you rightfully said, what did I get done? And then taking a moment to celebrate it, not celebrate yeah, exactly. it like a, necessarily <laughs> popping up a right. champagne, but like, <laughs> Patting yourself on the back and saying, hey, Carol, you did this today. The other thing that also works is that if if what you're trying to accomplish can be broken down into Mm. stages, then breaking them down into stages and sort of tackling it stage by stage. Because what we find is that completing one stage sort of gives you the courage and the strength and the vim to sort of tackle yes, the next absolutely yes. as the next stage as opposed to thinking of it as a whole big thing you have to do. So exactly. breaking it down into stages, isolating the different stages and just, you know, tackling them stage by stage. But it's it's but the interesting thing is people find that different or a combination of these things, a different combination works for different yeah. people. Right. And so I tell people, keep trying until you find the thing that works for you or the combination of things that work for you. Exactly. Because, you know, what what works for me might not necessarily work for you um, and what works for you might not necessarily work for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree, because one of the things that, you know, when I was uh, been trying to, you know, deal with or cope with the different uh, sort of things I'm working through, um, I mm-hmm. always sort of when I was reading about it, at least I was always heard, you know, that thing about, you know, working out will make you feel better. And for me, mm-hmm. like my specific problem was just having so many things and decisions to make. And I felt mm-hmm. like working out was just one more thing I absolutely had to do and it, to it, do. you know right and so it j- just became even more overwhelming I was like oh my god I also have to work <laughs> out yeah, you know yeah, and so yeah. it was about taking a step back and thinking like you, you rightly said like what what works for me like what's mm-hmm, what what mm-hmm. little things am I going to do now you know and if if it's working out once a week but then also every day taking that time to acknowledge what I've been able to do if if that's what it yeah. takes now for the next couple of weeks and then you know as time goes yeah. on I can fit that into my schedule um I also so the point about you know figuring out what works for you as a person I mm-hmm. think is also important mm-hmm. and the, the, the beauty the beauty in this I tell people once you figure out what works for you you don't know you don't owe anyone an explanation <laughs> like it's you, you see what I mean because yeah. I think especially now we we, we we are in this place now where, you know, we, we're so, everything is sort of out there. We're so evasive. People 
we sort of we sort of feel compelled to to let people know everything about yeah. <laughs> it and what we are doing and and everyone has an opinion on what we do and and the way in which we should do things and I tell people once you find what works for you you don't need to explain it to anyone right because you know what it's doing exactly. for you so for example like I was saying if if I work with somebody who just you know sitting outside and listening to birds chirp like would you know really yeah. sort of settle her and she would talk to people sometimes and they was like, that's strange. And I'm like, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> really? Like, who cares? And yeah. if that's what helps you de-stress and it works for you, then it's your thing and yeah. it's okay. Right? You don't have to explain. You don't have to apologize um, for it. And so I, I think it's really important for people to remember yeah. to remember that. Yeah. No, and, and I guess maybe my, my last sort of major question around this is also, like, at what point do you think or you decide that you need professional help? So, you know, let's say you're not, okay. you know, how do you go from feeling, knowing that, oh, I'm just, this is just a sad phase or I'm just panicked because of this and it's not like actual anxiety right. or it's not depression, it's just, I'm sad. Right. That's, that's a good question. Very good question. I think, I think I would tell people, you know yourself pretty well, mm. right? You, you, you know what your, what your standard um, is. Um, and, and once things start to go um, too far out of what your usual center is, mm. right, then, then it's a red flag. One of the first things we, we look at in psychology is, is there, is there a, sudden, or a sudden or gradual change in, in, in things like basic behavior, things like your sleep pattern? Mm. Um, are, you, are you all of a sudden sleeping way too much than you usually do? Yeah. Or are you unable to sleep? Um, are you suddenly eating way more than you usually do? <laughs> or eating yeah. less? Right. Are you, are you suddenly sort of unable to concentrate um, or focus? You know, and, and it's far out from what your norm, the norm is for you. Are you are you suddenly finding if you're the sort of person who likes to be around people, are you finding all of a sudden you want to be alone a lot, a lot more than is usual? Um, all of those things are significant red flags because we for for a range of, of, of clinically diagnosed um, illnesses, one of the big things is one of the big things is if it starts to affect your ability to sort of function through your daily things that you have to do on a day-to-day basis. If, if whatever you're experiencing, feeling, thinking about starts to affect your ability to do that, then it's definitely um, time for you to, to, to speak yeah. to someone. Yeah. Um, and then we also think about sort of like the time, the, 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 the span of time, okay. right? For, for example, the, with, with depression, we all feel the difference between depression and feeling sad Feeling sad is an emotion. It's a normal emotion. Yeah. It goes, it comes. If you're sad, it's usually because of something. And then, you know, in, in a couple of hours or by the next day or a couple of days, we expect that, you know, you're over the sadness. It should go and come. But when it gets into two weeks, you know, and you're in this low depressive mood for two weeks, going on three weeks, um, sort of coupled with other things like just a lot of interest in things you were typically interested in before, wanting to be by yourself. But the interesting thing also is, um, especially with things like, 
depression and people who sort of start to have suicidal thoughts. Mm. It cannot go the other way. Right? People who are depressed can seem overly happy. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. They can seem really happy. They can seem to be on some high. Um, they're happy all the time. They're feeling great or they, they seem to be feeling great. Um and, and, and then they commit suicide and then people are lost. Like, right. how, did that how did happen? this happen? But I always tell people that it's always compared to a benchmark. And that's why I'm saying if, if, it's, if it's far out from what your norm is, um, what your regular is, then it's a red flag. Because if, yeah. if you aren't typically like this, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're feeling really low for a long right. period of time or you're feeling really sort of like high for a long period of time then it's an issue yeah. um so so knowing knowing yourself self yeah. is incredibly important right right knowing knowing what 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 triggers you what what sort of gets you into certain moods is really very important in helping you notice okay something isn't quite right here yeah um, and I need help. Yeah. And so then from the perspective of uh, a loved one of, you know, friends, family who are watching from mm-hmm. the outside mm-hmm. in, like, how can you tell that okay. one, someone needs needs help? And then two, how mm-hmm. do you figure out sort of how to help them? So if I think about mice, because I offer to use myself as a case, if I think about myself, mm-hmm. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I've had periods of true depression and I also, but I mm-hmm. also sometimes consider myself as a functioning, uh, you know, depressed person sometimes. So you wouldn't yeah, know, yeah. right? Like I, I can go out, oh, I can yeah. go to social settings and, you know, be, mm-hmm. have conversations, do, do all of that and come home and be home for seven days straight and nobody mm-hmm. would know and, you know, go through whatever it mm-hmm. is that I, I go through and nobody would know. And so... Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's what you're alluding into in terms of when people are surprised by, you know, someone commits suicide mm-hmm. all of a sudden and it's like, mm-hmm. whoa, that, you know, the person didn't, at least outwardly, you didn't see mm-hmm. those symptoms. And so it can be hard mm-hmm. on people that are watching, right? Who, who Right. And so if you're someone sitting on the outside, you know, watching a friend or, or maybe not knowing, how, how, how do you sort of help support people that are going through different sorts of mental health challenges, especially knowing that there's a propensity for people who are entrepreneurs specifically to sort of have yeah. some of these issues. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's tough, especially with what you just talked about. There is something that, you know, we're sort of coming to accept now in, in the field of psychology as, you know, high functioning depression. Right. There are a lot of people who are, who are depressed, but are able to, like you said, go about their day function and not sort of give any indicators of, of, of what's going on. And that always makes it very difficult. Um, with what I was talking about before, where, where there's a definite change in, mm. you know, behavior, that's much easier to spot, right? Because if you, if you know somebody really well and you, you start to notice things that are not typical for them, you know, that, that is a red flag if you're a loved one. But if, 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 if like, you know, you use this as an example, It'd be really hard for people to see. So what what I say, what I tell people is, especially if you have friends who uh, are, are doing high stress things, like you know trying to start a business, right, or or working in other really high stress environments, check in on them regularly. Yeah, right. Ask them how are you doing, um, and and not just in like the generic how are you yeah. way, but like. Take them out once in a while, sit them down if you can, call them, 
yo, like, how are you doing? This thing you were working on, how is it going? You know, because what that does is it provides an avenue for them to open up if yeah. there's something going on. They might be able to then sort of open up and tell you, especially if, if they're the sort of person who might not be giving us sort of any right. indication. indication. Because if, 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 if someone isn't giving us any indication, it really is hard to tell. Yeah. And people, people get really good at being able to put on this mask, right. go out, <laughs> get things done, yeah. come back, shut the door, put the mask off, and yeah. you know, they're hurting inside. And so just if, if, and especially if you have people who seem like they have it together all the time, we, have, we all have those friends, yeah. right, and family members who, you know, they, they are always the ones who are there for everyone. They are solving every problem. They seem to have everything together. Check in on them. Ask them, how are you doing? Mm. You know, where are you with this? Have you been struggling with anything recently? Is there anything I can do for you? Because um, people are more likely to to open up to you um, when, when when you check in on them. Yeah. Um, but I, I also think that, I also think I encourage people to sort of have, especially entrepreneurs, to have accountability partners, yeah. right? Whether whether it's a, it's a friend who is also an entrepreneur or, or, or a friend in some other field, but somebody who regularly checks in on you, who you regularly check in on, um, to sort of to sort of provide that support, but but once you 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 sort of do find that a family member or you know somebody close to you is struggling with something, you know it's it's a hard place to be in because providing support for somebody with a mental health challenge is extremely difficult. Um, but 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 there are several things that you can do. I always say that if if you find that someone close to you is struggling with something, the first thing that I think is important for you to do is to get educated about it. Mm. If, 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 if my brother or sister or friend is, is struggling with depression, I want to get to know everything I yeah. can um, about it <laughs> right. so that I can be the best, you know, support that I can be. Um, so get educated um, and then make sure you are taking care of yourself because it's, 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 it's a draining role mm. to, to, yeah. to be there for someone who's, who's struggling with, um, um, you know, a, a challenge. Um, get educated. If if you can talk to them about seeking professional help, do. But I always say take take it beyond talking about it because or, or telling them to do it because we like to throw out. If, if you're struggling with something, seek help. If you're struggling with something, seek help. And that sounds really good, but the reality. <laughs> But actually struggling with stuff, you know, sometimes getting out of bed is yeah. a chore. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, researching and finding where to go for help, especially in Ghana, where it's so yeah. difficult to find where you can go, you know, they're not likely to do it because it's a lot. Yeah. And so I tell people, beyond saying, you know, seek help, finding out is this something they are willing to do, do some of the legwork for them. Research, you know, come up with a range uh, a couple of, you know, options and then present it to them and say, you know, I've looked around and there's this person and that person and this person, you know, this might be a good option. Should I set up an appointment for you? Um, would you like for me to go with you to your first um, session? There are people yeah. who do that. And then so it's sort of like taking those first steps with them um, to sort of help them get going. If seeking help is, is an option. Right. But if not, then just making sure that you're checking in on them regularly. 
You're, you're providing a safe space for them to talk. Because the thing with a lot of mental health challenges is people, it's, a, it's an overwhelming sense of isolation, yeah. right? And, and that sort of adds to, to whatever challenge they're having. And so just, just being there so that they, they, they sort of start to get a sense of I'm not alone, um, but providing a safe space where they can open up and talk. If we just need to talk and you know you're just there to listen, then then that's what it is. The other thing that's really important to remember when it comes to supporting someone with a mental health challenge is that let them take the lead. Sometimes okay. when we're playing that supportive role, we sort of, especially when we've read up, okay, so you know you're struggling with depression. I've read all about this. <laughs> we should do this, 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 and that. And it might be like, uh, no, right. <laughs> we're not yeah. doing that. Right, let them leave. Sometimes there's a thing we call holding space, mm. um, holding space with someone, which is the idea that you're sort of just stepping into whatever the person has going on, and whatever they need in that moment, you're going to be. Okay. So whether it's just sitting there and being there with them, neither of you speaking a word to each other. If that's mm. what they need, then that's what you do. You know, so sort of letting them leave um, when they when they know trying to be that. If they don't know what they need and all they want to do is sit <laughs> and figure out what the next right. step is, then, then you do that. But getting educated, making sure you are taking care of yourself, um, making sure that you're, you're, you're sort of doing some legwork for them in terms of getting help. Those kinds of things are really, really very important. Okay. And check, check on your friends. Check on yeah, your Yeah, I think, your, yeah. Your, and, <laughs> entrepreneur friends yeah. check on them man because it's tough it's really tough yeah and so i i want to wrap well almost wrap up with if if you um can think of any resources and i and i don't know if your own website has resources that people can go to as they're thinking of yeah. whether it's for themselves or for others like what are some good because you know the internet has all sorts of things out there so what are some good resources that you can think of uh that people can get to um that would be helpful on this topic Okay, so I have one on my website, which is www.thrivecareghana.com. Um, I have a list um, of, of mental health care providers, um, okay. private, public um, organizations that support, you know, um, victims of, of abuse, sexual abuse, domestic um, violence, um, those kinds of things. There's a, there's a document put together by an organization that I have um, up on my website okay. that sort of gives you all that information, their contact information, how you can contact them, which government hospitals have psychologists available, oh, and great. things like that. So, so at um, www.thrivecarethh.com, okay. um, under blogs, blogs and resources, there's that document um, available. Okay. Um, and and it, it's amazing because, like I said, it gives both private and public, um, and then a bunch of other organizations that you know, provide resources um, and, and support. So you can go check it out. Okay, that sounds great. And where can yeah. people find you online on social media? What are your social media handles? Okay, so so for both Instagram and Twitter, it's thrive underscore underscore gh. Okay. Um, so double underscore. Oh, okay. Um, I remember that. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes also so people can just click okay. on it and find it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, for, both, great. for both Twitter and, and Instagram. Okay. All right, then quickly we'll do the rapid fire questions and then and then okay. I'll let you go. <laughs> oh, okay. Should I be? 
No, 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 no. These are really, really easy. And if if you if you've listened to this before, yes, yeah, 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 it's not too, uh, not too crazy. Um, okay, okay. so right. let's go. Um, right. Instagram or Twitter? Since you're on social media, Instagram or Twitter? Um, I'm not going to ask you Ghana Jollof or Niger Jollof because that's a the thing. So I'll ask you. <laughs> I'll ask you. And my husband is Nigerian. So Your husband is Nigerian. Nigerian. Okay, then I, then I have yes. to ask you. Then I have to ask you. <laughs> for the for the record. <laughs> Oh boy, Ghana Jollof yes. all the way. <laughs> okay, um, and then uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Oh, I'm such a coffee yeah, person. I know I'm, it's terrible. I'm, I'm like a coffee addict. It's not even. It's not even funny. Uh, morning yeah. person or night person? Oh, I'm a night person. I'm not a morning person yeah. at all. I'm a morning person for sure. And then, if you could live on one dish for the rest of your life, what would that be? One what? One dish. If one, if you could have one meal for the rest of your life, what would that be? Oh, cake with all the stuffing, <laughs> with with you know just oh, pepper and, and avocado. Oh, I don't remember the last time I had cake. Yeah. Wow. Everything, everything. Yeah, no, that's not good. <laughs> and then, what's your favorite local um restaurant? Buka. Buka. Okay, because they have yeah, like the whole night. Yeah. It's good yeah, setting, good yeah, vibes. Okay, okay. Cool. No, I think thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. I think it's an important topic and I think we're able mm-hmm. to do some deep dives here and that I hope people find helpful um as they sort of pursue their their dream, you know, their entrepreneurial dreams that mm-hmm. they don't have to go it alone, that there are resources out mm-hmm. there to 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 help them and, and it 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 takes a village. I guess African says it takes a village and so not to forget that that the rest of that village that's out there to support you. So I thought, I think this was great. Thank Thank you. Thank you for having me. And one, one final note, if I may. Yeah. Um, If, if, if you feel like you need help, but you can't afford it, one of the things Thrive Care is doing this year is we're starting an online um, support, um, sort of a a chat room that offers support for various challenges. And it's absolutely free. Um, You don't have to, Find them at the on the website, but you know to be facilitated by a mental health professional, either myself or another psychologist. Different different topics, so stress, things like stress, depression, yeah. um, burnout, things like that. I, I'll be releasing, you know, my social media handles, just releasing the different dates for the different um, sessions. So you sign up anonymously, um, you come online, join a conversation, get some, you know answers and tips and you know also get to you know talk to other people who are struggling with with some of the other things and it's absolutely free it's absolutely free that's so please look out for that yeah that's yeah. great and i and i yeah. follow you i follow you on social media so when i see it come out definitely <laughs> will share and tweet out so people can, can know that that's available <laughs> i think that that would be a great resource yeah, uh, no, thank wonderful. you thank you carol this was this was thank great. you <laughs> Hey guys, thanks for listening to Item 13, an Essence 13 production. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. To keep up to date on news and events from Essence 13, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Essence and the number 13. Thank you.